On this episode of the The Simd Podcast, it is a college football playoff preview episode. Joining me is Michael Johnson of the Not That Serious Podcast. He is a filmographer, videographer, and photographer. We chop it up about UM's chances against TCU and potentially Georgia. We break down both games, TCU against Michigan and Ohio State versus Georgia. Dion and the fallout of him going from Jackson State to Colorado. The transfer portal has coaches and boosters up in arms. Players are cashing out on NIL deals all over the place. And lastly, if you had a first round pick, would you draft CJ Stroud? All of that and more on the latest episode of the The Simd Podcast. El primero de mayo. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the The Cindy Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Dismary Jr. Follow me on, yeah, still the Elon app at The Sandy. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Podcast is also up there at The Sandy Podcast, all one word. If you're not down with the Elon app, I get it. Holla at me at The Sandy Podcast on the Zuckerberg app and the China app. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Subscribe and rate to the podcast. Five stars, nonetheless. Tell a friend. Podcast available at all major podcasts and platforms, including the Purple app and the Rogan app. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Link is in the podcast description. Subscribe, share, run the numbers up. Do us a good content over there. You know how we do. Musical production done by May First Music. Support him at SoundCloud.com slash May First Music. This Saturday, the college football playoff begins. Two big games, the final four, if you will. We have Michael Johnson of the Not That Serious podcast. He is a videographer, filmographer, and photographer. He is joining me as my college football analyst. He's a big UM guy. He was on here early in the season when we talked about Alabama. Uh, There are some lost fouls out there of him also being on here again, previewing the playoffs, but there are some tech difficulties on that but he was gracious enough to join me again to officially break down the college football playoffs. Uh, We're going to welcome in Michael Johnson of the Not That Serious Podcast, filmographer, photographer, videographer. Welcome, sir, again, for now the third time unofficially, but the second time officially to the The CMD Podcast. What's good, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? Good, bro. Good, bro. So so glad that you're able to spin the block and come back again Um, because this college football playoff kind of worked out like we thought it would. There was a lot of scenarios heading into what we were talking about, heading into the championship, uh, conference championship games, and it kind of broke right where TCU, even though they take an L in the Big 12 conference championship game, is able to find their way back into the three seed and take on, you know, you're, you're wearing the cap, you're wearing the UM cap. So let's let's start there, because obviously I, I want you to get your, your big, amazing blue talk off early. Michigan, TCU, Everyone seems to think this should be a layup. Vegas thinks that this is going to be a layup. Heavy favorites, I think it's uh, minus 344 at the sports books in terms of the money line for Michigan. Obviously, you're a UM guy. Obviously, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to think they're going to win. But is there any trepidations, any concerns of what TCU, Max Dugan, and all of that, is there any concern on your part for UM? Just one, just minor. Nothing TCU doesn't scare me. It only scare me because you know it's the, they got that underdog, you know thing. 
And right. Max Dugan kind of thrives on that underdog thing. But as Michigan has proved all year, uh, they can overcome. They actually only one time really had to overcome anything. So other than just that, that minor, just, just a Max Dugan, but I, I got confidence, you know, now that a lot of players are getting healthier, uh, they're still riding a high. And they also, you know, from a lot of interviews and everything, articles I've read, like they're focused, uh, you know, last year was, they were happy to be there. They were doing all the activity, you know, the ball game activities and stuff. But I read that this year, they're not even, only the non-travel guys are doing all that. Uh, following the team, you know, follow Instagram or anything. They went to, I guess they went to Top Golf, and there's a bunch of dudes on there on the photos that I've never really seen before. And that's because the team that's, you know, the starters and the the backups and everything, the guys who are actually suiting up and going to play are focused. They're not doing all that bowl game stuff. And and they're, they're taking this as a business trip, and they want to get to the national championship. You know, that last year they, they kind of – they were just happy to be there, but it's more than being happy to be there this year, and I, that's why I, I have a lot of confidence going into this game. Yeah, and, and speaking on the game, obviously we, we want to get into the keys to victory for both teams. We don't we don't want to assume, even though the, they're heavy favorites, and you seem very confident as a UM guy, as you should, with the team that has the more talent, the, a lot of depth, all of that. But in terms of your specific keys to victory for UM, I took down a couple of notes, and you, you you tell me if I'm off base or if there's something I'm missing here. I think the keys to, to victory for Michigan, clearly they have to run the ball, right? Obviously with, with no Blake Corum, they have um, Donovan has been able to step in there. Donovan Edwards has been able to get like 400, almost 400 yards over the two games as he started since uh, Blake Corum went down. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, we, we've talked about him even earlier in the season by him and his precision passing being accurate. Uh, and then also, I think TCU, if you go back and watch that Big 12 championship game against Kansas State, they were gassed at the very end of that game there. And, and that probably was what cost them more so, to, more so than anything else. So running the ball, obviously, and J.J. being able to take care of the rock and be accurate with his passes and hit the big plays when they come, and clearly just exposing the lack of the lack of depth that TCU has in comparison to Michigan. Are those three things that, that you're looking for? Is there anything more? What, what are you seeing here? I mean, pretty much, uh, especially as saying them being gassed. And if, you're, if you can't, if you haven't watched any Michigan game, you could tell that Michigan looks like a, a fresh team in the second half. In the fourth quarter, they're still rocking. Right. And that's due to their – strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert, but yeah, that, that you can't come into you can't be gas in the fourth quarter if you're TCU because Michigan. That's what Michigan does. They they're like a, a MMA fighter who's a, almost like a wrestler type who would lean on you on the cage or lean on you on the ground and ground and pound because. The more someone leans on you, the more you're going to get gassed out because you're, you're trying so hard to get out of a situation and you're using all your energy, and that's what Michigan does to people. And, uh, you know, I talk a lot, talk about this a lot with my Michigan buddies. Their O-line, they're one of the few, if any, O-line who rotates guys in and out, if you, if you don't notice or not. They play about seven O-linemen 
no team really does it. And and they rotate other than other than the center. And pretty much have a guy that spells, you know, a, one of the guards and then another guy who spells one of the tackles. That's a that's a key too. Especially if you're a team that runs the ball a lot. They just they just bully a lot of people. And Donovan Edwards is good enough to take over Blake Horn, which I wasn't worried about when Blake went down. Well, I was only a slightly worried because Donovan Edwards was out for a little bit. But as we saw in the second half of the Ohio State game and then the, the full Big Ten championship game, it, it didn't matter. They got they got pieces in the uh, in the backfield that that are very capable. Yeah, and, and to the point about about Michigan being the uh, a strong second half team, I saw a stat where they was like they had the highest point differential of any team in the second half in the country. And the, the funny thing about it is TCU was fifth, so both teams actually can play strong in the second half. But to your point. If if TCU is going to get gassed by Kansas State, then yeah, they, they could be in for a long a long afternoon against uh, against UM. And I think you know something you mentioned there about the O line and being able to just maul teams. I think something to watch here is will Michigan just basically kill the clock by just mauling them with Donovan Edwards, mauling them with that offensive line, rotating seven guys in like like, like you mentioned. Is this it? Sometimes football can be really simple, you know, run the ball, stop the run. But is it really just going to be that simple for Michigan? Just as long as they just continue to just run, run the ball, ground and pound, like like you mentioned with the MMA, is it really just going to be that simple? In something in a game of this type of magnitude, in a game that come down to the final four teams in the whole entire country of D one football, is it really just going to come down to we're just going to run the ball at you and just dare you to stop us? You know what I think. Uh... In the last two games, we saw that Michigan's more than just a running team as well. And I think part of it was, like, they were playing possum into that last game of the season, which I kind of don't like. But, like, the point of us wanting J.J. McCarthy in was because he can do so many other things because he does have an arm. Uh, He can be Mm -hmm. a little accurate, but he can throw the deep ball, as we saw against Ohio State. And he's very dynamic with his – like, he he has – the ability to run or he had the ability just to make plays with his legs. So the key is going to be try to stop the run, but it's just going to open up the pass. Right. And, and I think Michigan, I think Michigan is a very balanced team. We just haven't shown that all year because partially because we didn't have to. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you, if you're going to gash people for it, 50 plus yards running, you know, on plays and stuff like that. You don't need, if you're doing over 200 yards rushing. Right. Why do you need to pass? Exactly, Especially if yeah. you have a lead. <laughs> exactly. So Michigan only had, had to do that a few times this year, but when they can't, I mean, the, the kid only, he only has like 20 touchdowns, uh, almost 20 touchdowns, passing and only, what, three interceptions, I think? Right. He's no, very. He, very accurate. accurate. I think yeah. the last few games he was just a bit a little off, but his numbers in the beginning of the year were pretty good, and especially for it being his first year starting. But I think those last two games they were they were trying not to show their hand against Ohio State, and and now you see if you load the box, sometimes it don't even matter if you load the box. 
as we saw against Ohio State, as we saw against Purdue. Load the box all you want. Can your guys beat my guys? That, that That's the thing. And I don't think yeah. TCU being in the Big 12, being, what was it, hell, they have three weeks to prepare. They right. run a 3-5. Three, three, I don't think you can you can prepare that. ain't that. stopping no run game. 3-5 <laughs> ain't, ain't stopping three. no run game, man. Yeah. So they can load the yeah. box all. You saw what happened when Ohio State loaded the box. Two right. 70-plus yard touchdowns because they were right. hat on the hat. And once you have that guy in the secondary not there anymore, it's just gone. Same thing happened in Purdue. Uh, there was a play that they loaded. They had three tight ends on the left, and they doubled up, you know, linemen, two linemen doubling on a, on a, on a defensive player and then going to the mm-hmm. second level. And all Donovan Edwards had to do was beat one guy, and he beat one guy. Right. So you could you could, it's almost like like Michigan almost dare like you can try to beat it, but we know we're going to out, you know, power you. Yeah, but then if you do that, we could still go over the top. Facts, facts, and, and and I think you know if you had to paint a scenario to where TCU can win this game. Is it, is it more about Dugan has to play out of his mind? Is it more about maybe TCU goes up-tempo to try to wear you guys out on, on both, on, on, on the D-line maybe? Like, is there pay, – paint a scenario. I know you don't want to because you're a UM guy, but if there was a way as a guy that knows this team because you've, you've watched them, where can TCU expose, if anything – something on this Michigan defense. If, if you were on TCU and you were trying to plan a, a, a plan of attack on offense against the Michigan defense, where, where, where would you begin that plan? The only, the only weakness, which is not a weakness, was actually becoming a strength at this point. If you saw the last two games, the kid, Will Johnson. Okay. It, it'll be at corner, but it'll Vulnerable. be at corner. If, if, if only if, that matchup with Quentin Johnson versus, I would say maybe DJ Turner, or okay. even Jamon Green because they're smaller. Um, Will Johnson is six two. Mm. You know Quentin John Quentin Johnson's what he's like six four six five. Yeah, he's big. So yeah. he so he can match. So we got a a big receiver. If he's matched up against DJ Turner, who's only about six foot. Uh, Jamon Green, who's only about 5'10". Mike Sammer still won't be on him because he's more of a nickel slot guy, but that's the only way I can see because we have a great D-line as well. We have a great mm-hmm. front set. Like, it's just a, a, a – I seen one of the dudes, McGregor, he said, we don't have a no-star defense. We have an all-star defense. And that's because, once again, it's the same as the O-line, but even in more that – we have a lot of guys who rotate. We rotate a lot on all levels of the of the game. Rotate on defensive line a lot. We rotate on, you know, linebackers. Linebacker might be our quote-unquote weakness because we don't have that much depth there because of injury. And then we just have some young players uh, coming in on that, you know, second half uh, in the two deep. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be hard to really run run against them. Um, they're one of the best rush defenses, and they're one of the best pass defense. But I, the only thing I can see is just the matchup with the receiver. 
if he's on a smaller guy. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to navigate here, trying to look up what, what the defense has done here. You know, they're, they're only giving up 200. They're giving up under 200 yards passing, 85 yards rushing. And I'm sure a, a lot of those might have been padded because of blowouts. But yeah, they, they the, the defense doesn't really have a lot of exposure in terms of like holes or some points of attack. And I think unless Dugan goes crazy here, and that's running and throwing, not, not just, you know, through the air, but also taking advantage of his size, whether it's on the goal line or just short yardage, being able to, uh, you know, take advantage of him that way. I think that's a, that's the only way I can see TCU even keeping this game close, to be to be quite honest with you. And uh, it's, it's going to take an otherworldly performance. It's, it's going to take something where maybe J.J.'s a little erratic. Maybe the running game isn't as dominant, but it's it, – it's hard for me to believe, it's hard for me to fathom both of those things happen. I could see a game where maybe the running game isn't as dominant, but then maybe JJ takes over and vice versa, yeah. where maybe JJ's not really on it, but but the but the running game, y'all go ahead and put up two hundred plus. But I can't see both of those things happening. And I think for TCU to be legitimately in this game and potentially win this game, both of those things have to happen. Yeah, and I and even in times where we've seen the Ohio State game in the first half, Michigan couldn't run the ball. But they right. stayed in the game because J.J. <laughs> yeah. J.J. was able to do in the, in the past game. Uh, and then you saw what happened in the second half with the with the run game. So, yeah, it's going to be hard. Uh, TCU just is going to be Dugan. The only thing is I just hope they have a spy because – not saying not this year at least we haven't really seen much of it, but we, Michigan has had trouble with with quarterbacks that can run. But I think this is a different type of defense where I wouldn't say smarter, but I guess smarter defensive coordinators. Uh, we had in the past where we were just running just all man all the time when the Don Brown era, which was he was still still he still had a really good defense, but he just couldn't stop crossing routes for some reason. Gotcha. But uh, but yeah, is it's gonna be a Michigan's a really complete team for sure. And uh, and only 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 one team has really gave them trouble, and that was a team with a really good defense, and they had a really good running running game. Right, and 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 you can argue that TCU does not have either of those things. They do not have. You know, that negative defense and their running game outside of Dugan is not really nothing to, to write home about. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I guess clearly, do, do, if you want to give a score, I mean, clearly I think you think Michigan's going to win, but do, do, do you want to go ahead and give a score here? The, the spread was, I think, seven and a half. Are, 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 are you taking those points? Or? Score, but I think, I, think I, I do think Michigan to get to mid-30s. Mid-30s, okay. Okay. And according to this, they put up for forty a game, so that that that's that's close yeah, to their put, average. They put so. up forty a game. Uh, yeah, man, they they're a complete complete team. They won the. I mean, other Georgia, they're pretty they're pretty much a complete team. They can beat you in all three aspects of the game: offense, defense, and special teams. Do you think the way that this this playoff setup that we're just kind of getting we're all just kind of waiting for the 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 Michigan Georgia rematch like it kind of seems to be that way for me where it's like 
yeah, Ohio State was able to, you know, in, in my opinion, backdoor their way into the four spot, and I get all the reasons why. But I think when it comes right down to it, the two best teams that have stood the test of the time over the, the course of the whole season have been Michigan and Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, they've been the two best teams. Uh, you can have an argument that Michigan is, could be number one at some time, at, point, at points of the season. Right. Uh, but, you know, Georgia's the defending champion. You can't. You can't deny that um, they have s- slight stumbles this season. I, I don't think they're uh, as dominant as they were last year because they did lose a lot, a ton and, of talent. Yeah, yeah, a lot of talent. Uh, I don't think they're just. I think Michigan and Georgia rematch. I think Michigan can get them. Okay. And okay. I, and, I, and I, you know, I see these guys very motivated to do that. Well, let's just go ahead and get get, get over to Georgia because clearly, you know, we're both in agreement that Michigan will take care of TCU and and in their Cinderella season. So then that leaves us with Georgia versus Ohio State, and you know, I think if if we're talking about the keys to victory for Georgia. I think the main thing is, even though Ohio State's not known for their running game, I think they're going to try to establish a running game. And I think the key will be clearly with with the D-line that they have, whether it's years past or even this year, stopping the running game. I think everything has, has to be predicated on first line of business, stopping the run. Now, I think they need to apply pressure to, to C.J. Stroud. And there was another stat I was able to locate is that C.J. Stroud's accuracy drops 20% when he's flushed or hurried out of the pocket. That's a big drop for someone that's mobile, someone that you would assume can throw on a run and it has the type of dynamic playmaking ability to be able to capitalize on that. So the fact that when he's hurried or under pressure, his completion percentage drops 20%, that's something if you're Georgia, you know, you're going to have to really apply that pressure, whether it's blitzing. I know they could probably get home with four, but I think they need to even need to turn that up a notch knowing a stat like that. And then lastly, uh, because everything starts and begins and ends in the trenches, that Georgia O-line, can they do what your team, Michigan, did to Ohio State and just maul them at the line of scrimmage? So the, those are the three things just off the top that I have for, you know, Georgia trying to figure out how to stop Ohio State. As someone that knows Ohio State very well, well, what else do you see, or, or do you want to expound on any of those? I mean, I mean, they're pretty much the same team. Uh, especially we talked, she said, mentioned the O line. Those two teams, Michigan and Georgia, were up for the Joe Moore Award again. Um, Michigan winning it again back to back years, but they're pretty much the same team. You know. Uh, you know, Georgia doesn't have that uh, star running back or star running, you know, you know. Actually, they're about the same, too, where they're almost like a no-star type team. You know, they got they got a few guys, especially on the defensive side, but not as much as they did last year. But there's no there's no guy on the, on the you know, no running back that's the guy, but they, they can run the ball. Right. And Stetson Bennett can can make some plays. So then let, let's let's flip that. If you're Ohio State, is the key 
because they don't really because because the Georgia thing is kind of they overwhelm you with just some of their parts more so than just one guy. Do you want to force Stetson Bennett? We we saw LSU try to force Stetson Bennett to to beat them in, and he damn sure did in the first half for touchdowns. So, if you're Ohio State, do you force Stetson Bennett to try to beat you? Or you know, obviously we know Georgia's going to try to come out and run the rock. But if you sell out on running the rock, then you're allowing Stetson Bennett to potentially beat you. Are you willing to live and die with that if you're Ohio State? Because we because I think. I feel like Ohio State's trying to like make up for them make up for what happened in Michigan game, and they're, I think they'll be focused too focused on that. And George Stetson Bennett might he might he, he might capitalize on that, you know, passing or or I don't know. I think I think uh, Ohio State's a little overmatched. Uh, Really? They're gonna have, uh, I guess. I guess they're gonna have. This is like it's the same team as Michigan, and they're gonna try to do something to stop. But they don't just. They don't have the guys. They just don't have the guys to stop something like to. They they will get bullied. Mm. Well, that's <laughs> that's the last place you want to be if if you're going to against a school like like Georgia. Like that, that that's the last thing you you want to try to see coming in as a school that just like like you said in Michigan can maul you. At the point of attack, so that that to me would be. So, are are we looking at two blowouts here? Because I mean, if if, mm. if Georgia is going to maul Ohio State at the point of attack on on the line of scrimmage, then th- th- this game's a wrap. There's really nothing. I mean, outside of Ohio State, maybe hitting a couple of big plays. I mean, if if Georgia's able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and just overwhelm Ohio State, then this game should be you know Swiss cheese easy as well. Yeah, it, it, the only reason why I, I, I don't say because it, it is Ohio State to do have a high-powered offense, right? But I wouldn't say blowout, but I think Georgia would take it. Okay, I don't think it's going to be be like Michigan and TCU where it's overwhelming. They're overwhelming the better team. Georgia, it, it, it could be a, a, a slither of. of something for Ohio State, but like we talked about the same thing. It's hard to do something in three weeks. You can't just change your identity. You got you can't change guys that quickly. They can't be a bully in that little bit of time. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to navigate here and trying to I I guess this and, and this is what I, I didn't want to where it's like it's almost anticlimactic. And I think that's the, and you know, me and you spoke about how we can't wait for this thing to expand and that that's coming very soon. But as, as to where we're at right now, where we both clearly know that Michigan is better than TCU and the, the way that we saw Ohio State got overwhelmed by Michigan, the fact that Georgia is, is very much built in the same light as Michigan we can only assume it's going to be a similar outcome. Maybe not the blowout like Ohio State, you know, in in Michigan game, but certainly a decisive victory for Georgia. I'll, I'll throw this wild card out there. If C.J. Stroud is able to sit in the pocket, if they're not able to flush him out to where his accuracy drops 20%, if he's able to, you know, I don't know. Well, let's start here. 
Should Georgia double Marvin Harrison? Is he that good to where he warrants getting doubled all over the field, or do you pick your spots with him? You don't have to double him. Uh, we saw Michigan, they didn't have to double him, but, you know, that's what everyone's focused on. But you forget, mm-hmm. you double a guy, Ohio State still has weapons. Right. They still have, and, and I think they're going to get one of their running backs back. Uh, I think Mayan Williams is coming back. Okay. Um, but they still have weapons at receiver other other than Marvin Harrison. Now they don't have as many as they did last year or, or even this year because uh, – Smith and Jigba is going to sit out, even though yeah. he doesn't have to. But Right. He's, he's got the hammy, right? <laughs> yeah. He's got the bad he's hammy. The hammy all year. <laughs> yeah. Man's just so, is trying to get ready for the draft. This is It's all good. Uh, they have weapons, too, I think. I wouldn't double him, but I'll definitely keep that safety high. Just keep that safety up there. Don't, A little bit of bracket you know, coverage. Don't wanna, yeah, don't want to don't want to take someone away. Yeah, you know. So then, there's, beat so, you then, so then there's not really too much of a scenario here. Then it it, it kind of just seems to me like we're, we're going to watch these games clearly and we're going to watch things play out. But if things go the way they're supposed to, barring any sort of unforeseen injuries or, or some crazy mishaps or what have you, or you know, you know. JJ shitting the bed and and Georgia somehow you know leaving their games on the bus. We're looking at Michigan Georgia, so let, let's go ahead and just play that forward. Michigan Georgia, clearly you're invested heavily. You you've been wanting this rematch. You potentially get your rematch now. How do you see that playing out, Michigan Georgia? I think everybody favors Georgia. Um, Rightfully so, defending champion. But I think it's a different team. They're both different teams. Uh, one I think improved, and one just not saying they are. They just had a little drop off, but that's because they lost so much. And another, they're just super motivated from last year. Um, and you see what happens when a team like Michigan is motivated. Yeah, they. You know, not only what they did last year against Ohio State, but then seeing what just what they've been doing all season. They've been working hard to get to this point. And that's why I think Michigan has a chance to beat Georgia. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the uh, the box score from that from that last matchup here. Just we kind of go over that real quick over there in the Orange Bowl. Let's pull that up here. Yeah, boom, okay. So, don't let that score fool you. 34-11, they jumped out early. So, what, as we go over this from last year's game, the improvements clearly are at the the quarterback position one. Where else has Michigan gotten better from last year's matchup where they lost 34-11? Secondary. Okay. Nah, that secondary, Vincent Gray was getting torched. He was, the, I don't know if you remember, there was a play where he was just like lost and looks like he quit on a play. And Georgia, and, and I think it was George Pickens was playing and he was 
bullying those guys. Yeah. You know, a bullying a lot of them. I think the difference, not bullying in the sense of like, uh, there was one where he was out blocking and we see how George Pickens is in the NFL. Yeah. They'll just maul dudes and he was doing yeah. that. And I think that's, the, there's a bit of a difference there. Um, being a little bigger on the on the outside, like the kid Will, Will Johnston is just incredible. We saw what he did in the Big Ten uh, championship game. Uh, he's improved pretty much every every week, and, you know. And when he had the opportunity opportunity to become a starter, he never let go of it. He's probably going to be he's going to become the next best next great Michigan defensive player. Is he entering Woodson territory for you? He's getting there. Uh, on the defense side, Woodson territory is a little different because Woodson did more than just correct what he did on defense. Right. He was he was dynamic and all. You know they had him on offense and also special teams. So, but the, on the as a corner, yeah, especially as a, as starting as a freshman. You know, see what he did. Yeah, that's he had huge two here. picks in the he had two picks in the uh in the Big Ten championship game. Two great picks. He the way he played those balls are great. Right. And he's a big he's a big kid and he's 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 only what, eighteen, nineteen. He's only get bigger. He's not done growing. Right. Skill so, set's uh, huge I, there. Okay. Yeah. So I see we have a and and, and uh our nickel corner, Mike Sanders, though, the kid that went from receiver to DB. You know, like I said, we don't have any stars. We do have guys. We, like McGregor said, we have all stars, you know. there's We don't have just, you know, the one or two guys this year where it was like Aiden Hutchinson and you just got to key in on him or key in on Ojobo. We have on D-line, we have some guys on, on you know, the secondary, like I said, the it's only a weakness because we don't have that much depth right now. It's just mm-hmm. linebacker, but the linebackers are solid. The linebackers are very solid. So now to, to play that all the way forward, because we're we're sitting here trying to figure out, and I'm with uh, Michael Johnson, videographer, filmographer, photographer, um, also with Not That Serious Podcast. What we're trying to navigate here. Ohio State, TCU fall by the wayside, setting up a Georgia-Michigan national championship game. We're trying to navigate the do's and the don'ts for each squad. Now, MJ, as we call him, has broken down why Michigan is better. Now, is there any trepidations? Is there anything you've seen from Georgia this year that that gives you pause? Because as you mentioned earlier, when we were breaking down uh, the the two semifinals games, both these teams are built in a very similar fashion. So could that play can can Georgia out Michigan? Michigan is that something that could potentially happen here? Yeah, it can because they are you know the finish and then you know the vaulted SEC. You know right. they have the better players, but I think I think Mich- Michigan matches up well. I just I just think Michigan has a, a motive. Like they're motivated. It's hard to beat a team. You see what happens when you. I mean, you have a motivated team out there, and you see they're about business. Like I said, they they don't 
they don't want to like like I said last year they were happy to be there they were going through all those activities the bowl game activities I didn't see them do that once and I like I said I did the interviews and everything they're not worried about that you know they're not doing they're not they're not partaking in it because they're focused and it's hard to beat a team like that a team that's focused and talented Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. So now let's go ahead and play that out. So clearly you, you even favor Michigan in the game, national championship on the line against Georgia. Do you want to give me a prediction there? I think Michigan will win. I just, it's not going to be, it's going to be a very good game. Um, obviously Georgia has the more, more talent. Right. But, Ohio State also have more has more talent, but I think Michigan, such as we saw this year, they develop guys. They know how to develop. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't know how to develop them, you know, you can't just beat guys just with five stars, and they don't improve on their game at all. I think Michigan does that, and Michigan gets that with guys that weren't the talent most, you know. They're three or four star guys, and right. I think also the thing that kind of works in Michigan's favor—they're great in the portal. They, they, yeah, which is which is, in a sense, better because you're getting guys who are already accustomed to the game, already to the you know college football game, rather than having to adjust them coming from high school. Is portal you know, is being big in the portal? Is, is being big in, big in the portal almost more important than actually recruiting top classes? Because you could, as you mentioned, you can potentially swoop in and get another school's five-star or four-star after a year or two. So even if you miss out on the front end on signing day, you might be able to spin the block in, you know, eight, nine months and be able to go get the guy that you missed on. So is, is having the top recruiting class even that doesn't have the same cachet. I mean, you could swoop in and go get that same kid in the portal. Yeah, because a perfect example, I mean, I know I'm talking a lot in Michigan, but it's because it's the team I follow. And I mm-hmm. know Michigan center. He came from Virginia. He was, uh, I think, Remington. Like, he he was all these – he's one of the top centers in the, in the uh, college last season. We get him for an, a, another year. And he's the best center in all of college football, and wow. you can't you can't get that off off uh, a high school graduate, right? You know, you get a guy who's uh, th- two to three, maybe even four year starter, and mm-hmm. now you just place him on a team that's already you know with experience on the old line. You just replace another you know a good center, but even better. And and Michigan is doing it again in the portal. They got about they're going to replace him next year with a guy that from Stanford. Uh, they're going to replace two other offensive linemen. You know, you already get these dudes who already have experience in college and who can go to the next level, but then even just especially with the coaching staff can even improve on them on their game even more. So I think. The portal, portal is almost better because you can plug in, you can 
you have more of a plug and play. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can, for you can, sure. The experience, the experience matters. Yeah, uh, agreed. You, you can you can guarantee with that that dude that you know has experience than the kid that's just just coming in. You know, uh, I don't know. You know, like stories you hear all the time with kids. They go to high school, they're a man, then a man, they're high school, then a man in their county, whatever like that. Then they get to college and just to practice and their eyes are open. Like it's a different game, it's a different speed. For you sure. don't have to get that with a, with a, with a portal guy. Cause a portal guy already, it's going through that. His eyes are not wide open. Yeah. I think to, to your point, if you can really lock in on that portal and just plug and play guys, I think that's way more important than having a top notch recruiting class because, you know, you can, we, we talked about Caleb Williams earlier on, on the first time you on and the way that he followed Lincoln Riley. So that kind of, you know, blew up that, you know, Oklahoma recruiting class. Like it really doesn't matter if the player doesn't stay. And so these rankings that, everyone goes gaga for every signing day kind of all is predicated on if the player actually stays for a certain amount of time. If, if the, if the player stays to their junior year or even their senior year on rare occasions. So I think being able to just plug and play guys, you get a whole bunch of guys who leave for the draft. All right, let's go in the portal and go get a whole slew of other teams, four and five stars and just bring them into the fold. And I think that's oh, yeah, where got developing. If you Correct. don't know how to develop those those guys, yeah, they can have, like I said, you can have all the talent, but you got to adjust them to the game, adjust them to your offense. Uh, right. Uh, another thing with the portal that is different, you know, a lot of times, uh, I forget who said it, but when you get these four or five-star guys, you're kind of catering to them, whereas in the portal, you can get guys that cater to you. Agreed, Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, a a, a lot of times you see where players aren't a good fit, right? You see a kid that comes out here, I'm going to go to this program because they have this coach or they have this system, and then they show up and they realize, oh, I'm not, either one, I'm not going to get no run, or two, this isn't the system I thought it was going to be, so I'm out. Now I could go to another school and where I'm a better fit, get better coaching, better training, better system, whatever the case may be, and you could just keep bouncing around, or if you're JT Daniels, just keep going wherever the biggest bag is and just cash out on NIL deals left and right. You know what I'm saying? So I don't even. Know. I wouldn't even say that's this. I don't know. That situation is just funny to me. Uh, JT Daniels, there has right? To be, yeah, there has to be at some point where there's going to be a limit. Well, that's the, that's something I definitely wanted to get in, um, get into it with you because there there's now growing sediment with boosters and and even coaches who have been you know we, we know how Dabo gives it up. He's very anti NIL, but when you see someone like JT no, Daniels, anti NIL, <laughs> he likes the name and likeness of Jesus. Well, yes, that 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 whole part <laughs> of the scam, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, he's 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 doing the the Southern college football coach thing by you know putting God over everything and it works to a certain degree. But when you have JT Daniels and I think there, there was even a QB from LSU, I forget who his name is, but he didn't even play. He just cashed out on the NIL deal and did just walked away. Um, clearly players are finagling the system. Hey, I don't have any pro prospects, but I'm a great high school quarterback. I'm a leverage that to get a couple of mil 
And then I might, I don't even have to make the NFL. I can just live off of the couple of mil I can get from an NIL deal. And JT Daniels is, I think, the latest that's just kind of, you know, NIL hopping from, you know, power five to power five, from USC well, know, to Georgia it, to West Virginia. So I forget where he's at now. Yeah, but I think the team he's at now is not knowing Korea. I don't think that, I forget where he's, uh, he ended He ended up, but it was nowhere where you thought. Let me look and it I, up. When he when he picked it, I was like, "Oh, that was kind of you know." I was thinking, like, is, is he trying to go to every every uh, conference? Like, basically, what, right? What's his goal? Oh, he's transferring. Oh, to he Rice. went to Rice. Yeah, he's in yeah. Rice. I so, mean, yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, if if someone at Rice is willing to open the bank, like if yeah, if I he's if he was know. able to get a mill out of Rice, then that's 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 legendary. He got a mill out of rice. I mean, whatever, I guess. But I guess if he's if that's the case, and he is chasing the NIL deal, but facts, I don't I know. Clearly I don't think know. that that's what he's know. doing. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if Rice has that much <laughs> going for them. Um, I mean, it yeah, could be like Colorado and Dion, right? Where they're like, "Hey, we'll we'll tell you we're going to pay you, and then we'll run and go find the bread after the fact." Like we we may not have well, it right now, think, but we will find it. But Colorado actually has. You know, they have some guys there that can probably, you know, it's still is University of Colorado. Colorado not, but they still have guys that can pitch in. Who who do you know that came out of Rice? Literally no one in, in any sport. I, exactly. I, can't, I can't even give you a basketball player, so. Exactly. In Colorado, you can name a few. And Colorado has had Heisman Trophy winners. Right. And stuff like that. Colorado was a. Very it was a powerhouse. Yeah. Let's yeah. see, race football players in the NFL. Oh, wait a minute now. They they got a we, – we apparently are sleeping on Rice University. Chris Boswell, Luke Wilson, you know, Brian Callahan, I mean, uh, uh, you know. A uh, uh, second string tight end and a punter? <laughs> I mean – so this is the legacy of 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 J, JT Daniels is walking into. Maybe, maybe they got Chris Boswell to, to kick up some bread to help pay that NIL uh, deal. Hey, Colorado, I can name on top of it. They got Cordell Stewart. For sure. Michael Westbrook, Rashawn Salam, but rest in peace. Long live Rashawn Salam, Heisman Trophy winner. Joel, so none. Joel Klatt. Yeah, Joel Klatt. Yeah, I mean, look, Colorado for sure is a power five, Pac-12, the whole deal. So we 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 understand that. I just think it's it's hilarious how, you know, if if you are leveraging the system, because here's the thing: if you're some guys are just college players, like there's no pro prospects. If you're able to cash out on your college on, on the peak of your athletic, uh, if you're the peak of your athletic ability or your apex of your athletic ability, which is college football, if I could go get a couple of M's just by hopping around for a few years. I'm not mad at that because after that, you know, you're done. It's not like JT Daniels has any yeah. really pro prospects. I mean, he's playing at Rice now. So we know he's not going to make yeah. it to the league. So if I could cash I, out I one more time. There's two differences. There are the guys who are just chasing the NIL back, but they're all the guys who like, they thought they were going to be the man and then they're not the man. So they got to leave. Like that's, that's the point. I don't, that's the part I don't like about it. Is like you you don't you're running away from competition type, running away from the grind, running away from the grind. I think 
some of those guys are doing that. There's some guys out there who are definitely doing that. Do you think DJ Mainly is running away from the grind? I don't know. I think in the beginning, maybe it kind of was. Because when mm-hmm. he was at Georgia, I think uh, Justin Fields was took his spot. But I think he was hurt. Uh, and he couldn't beat out just uh, Stetson Bennett. Uh, where was he at again? I think he was, wasn't he at USC too? Uh, DJ, I believe so. I'll double check. Oh, oh D- no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of T- You're talking about JT? DJ. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. DJ's Clemson. And I f- was he somewhere else yeah. before Clemson? No, no, no. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking, I'm, I was thinking JT Daniels. Um, I think, you know, he needs to go to, I think he, he needed a different scenery. I, I, I don't think he was a good fit at Clemson. Uh, I think he was definitely better suited for a Pac-12 type team. Him being a West Coast kid, I think he was he suited better out there. Now I'm surprised that he went to. Well, I'm only surprised he went to Oregon State. I see why he didn't go to UCLA. I think they have a they had a guy commit there or someone. But I, I've had a feeling like a Pac-12 school was the right fit for him. And mm-hmm. Oregon's on Oregon State. Had a good, real. They're on the up and up, and they had a really, really? good okay. year this year. Okay, okay. So, knowing what what was knowing what was expected of DJ, obviously highly highly touted. Obviously, you know, coming into the season, thought to be a sleeper, Heisman candidate, all of that type of jazz, dual threat, mobile, rocket arm, all of that, and just didn't really. You know, we could look up his stats here. Didn't really live up to it. And this is, you know, heading into his, I guess, his senior year now where he gets one last shot to prove it. And we're looking at a guy that, you know, completed 62% of his passing, uh, 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns to seven picks. Great QB rating, but you didn't really see the hype. Like I know when me and you spoke earlier in the season, you know, DJ was a name that you brought up, and he was like, look, this guy could be something. So, you know, me being the, the college football novice, I said, all right, I'll, I'll lock in on, on DJ and see if I see something. And at times I did, and at times I was like, all right, this dude is kind of mid. So, you know, yeah. you're thinking that the change of scenery was was a benefit for him here. I mean, the change of scenery, I think uh, Clemson kind of, they were kind of that team, they kind of dropped off a little bit. For sure. Uh, they, they, you know, they didn't have the guys. They, I can't even name you a receiver that they have right now. That because they always, they're one of the top teams that can be considered. Uh, they can be considered um, wide receiver. You, right? Um, they didn't. There, uh, there's not that guy right there. Uh, they don't have anybody at running. Like they were on the down year, uh, even on defense. Well, defense they always had side. They never. They were kind of one of those teams too that were like a all star, like not a no star, but an all star defense. Mm-hmm. I think they, on the top of my head, I think only one guy, uh, Brees. He's the only one that comes to mind on defense for them. But yeah, they had a. They've they just been ever since Trevor Lawrence left. They've been kind of down but I think the change of scenery kind of helps I think him being a west coast kid helps uh going back to the west coast um 
that style of play and everything like that and being comfortable with his kind of people too because a lot of poly kids stay in the Pac-12. Right. Uh, a lot of them are up in Oregon. Uh, that can be a factor as well, you know, going across the country where it's not a not not a big Polynesian uh, population population here out here, especially in South Carolina. Yeah, that that definitely matters for sure. Yeah, I agree so with I, that. and also in, in the ways I think kind of like poly kids should stay in a Pac-12 because of that, because you. Yeah. Kind of have you don't have to go across the country for that. You have a big population. Unless you're Tua. Oh, oh. Yeah, but that's what kind of <laughs> comes to mind. Like even with exactly. the tour. Well, no, I'm sorry, not Tua. I was thinking more. Um, what's his name? Uh, Catfish dude. As we oh. saw in the documentary, that yeah. kind of matters. They didn't have like a Manti you know, a poly. Yeah, Manti. They didn't have a poly population and. Or like programs at the school, whereas in Oregon State they do, mm-hmm. or any most mainly you know a lot of the West Coast schools. But I'm thinking in the Power Five, uh, Pac-12. So yeah, yeah no, see, it makes sense. And I, and I think his brother, he has a brother that was a top recruit. Um, I think he committed. I think he might have committed to Oregon. I know he committed to one of the Pac-12 schools. Pac-12, you know. But, it, it, Makes sense for especially for traveling for their families if if they want to come yeah, see them time zones like and all that yeah coming across the coming across the country and coming across to the south right it's a you big know. difference it's a very <laughs> those, big difference and those I'm, flights are very very different yeah adding on that extra five six hours yeah adding on that, that and just adding you just a culture that's not there I Correct. think sometimes that 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 might that can help. Um, like you see, you see all the, a lot of the poly kids in, on the West Coast, how they thrive out there. Like it's it's, it's hard. Two is two is one of those rare ones. For sure, yeah. I mean, going back to Palomalu with, with SC back in the day, yeah. No, it make it makes sense. It makes sense. Ray, Ray Malauga, you know. Yeah. Pico, like um, Holy Nada. He, my, he he was U Dub, right? Oh, yeah. Holy Nada was U Dub. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he went to Oregon. There's, I know what you want. I think I'm blanking on his name. He went to Washington. Okay. Uh, I know Danny Shelton, but there's another one from uh, Washington. But they all, all the Pac-12, pretty much Pac-12 schools. Uh, there's a lot of them, you know, BYU so you. as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Utah, like there's all of it. Yeah. It, it. I think it. I think it helps. And and and. Even like I said, we saw in that documentary. If you watch the documentary on Manta Teo, you know, having that type of environment or having like you know a club or, or whatever at the school, it kind of helps. For sure. Well, and, and like I said, like being close to family or being close to your culture kind of helps. I think. Yeah. Will help. Well, I I definitely can't can't let you leave here without touching on a big probably the biggest coaching hire. Did this whole offseason so far anyway with um our, our boy Dion. I know we me and you both thought on the on the loss of fouls episode that he shouldn't go there. Well, he ended up going there. Why do you think he went there? Obviously, this is nothing but a win for Colorado, but in terms of coach prime and, and everything that comes with him with, with with the Louis luggage, why do you think he went there? 
what's what's the long term? And we know long term is loose when, when it comes to Dion anywhere. But long term plan here for Colorado. Give, give me your thoughts on just Dion choosing to leave Jackson State University for Colorado University. Well, I think last time when we spoke on spoke about this, we didn't have the info that we had. No, now. no. Um, there's a lot of things that have come out, and we see why he left. I think our reason is why we didn't see him go to Colorado is because what Colorado the pro, the product that they have now, but also just the location. I think was our one of our things too, and know who Dion is. But once we got info now it's coming out we learn yeah take that opportunity mm-hmm. um and i think i i'm pretty sure we're both in agreement that we yeah it's good to take that and he and he did what he set out to do for not just jackson state but other hbcus as in he gave you a blueprint of what to do does that blueprint work without dion that's my it's only question. You can it's a blueprint. You can try. Not the, too the many coaches to you could come in and just pay out of pocket to fix the, the the facilities and to upgrade all the stuff. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like I get it. The blueprint is there. I think the blueprint's there if you bring in a celeb coach that that's willing to put the bread up. Because now we got Ed Reed at Bethune Cookman. I don't know if Ed Reed is going to come out of pocket to fix those facilities like Leon yeah, did allegedly. But who? But we don't know the the what their situation is. This situation at Bethune Cookman could be different from Jackson State. Um, I mean, it's still also, swag. So I mean, it can't be that much better, if at all. I'm not saying, but also Jackson State, where it's in Mississippi, there's a lot of you know things are going. And then, like uh, as I said, we learned later on that. Jackson State wasn't doing right by Dion or right by the students. Allegedly, yep. The, yep. the student athletes or the even the town at least. So right. that situation might not be happening at Bethune Cookman. Well, I mean, let's let's see what, what we have here real quick. We have a two and nine team. So I mean Colorado was one, one and eleven and Dion went went over there. Now we got two and nine with uh Bethune Cookman, hey, they played the U. Maybe that's when they started inroads on Ed Reed when they when they took that check from the U to get blown out. Yeah. Yeah, this is a rough. This, I mean, they're getting blown out by by other teams. Yeah, that's the swag. That's the football program. But I'm talking about as the school. You know. Oh, as a program. Okay, I got you. I got you. I'm talking about as a school. The school wasn't doing right by Dion. Yeah, they weren't doing right by everybody else. That, that I'm saying that situation, Bethune Cookman might, might be doing better as a school than that. Like the football program might be trash. Copy. Got you. The, you know, the president might not be a scammer or whoever it was. It might not Oof, be a scammer. Let's go talk about it. I'm here for it. Hey, I, but, I, I, but that's that's what was happening, and we didn't have that info. According and, to Dion, we have to preface that, uh, you know, because. The, the Dion's the, the king of spin. He's 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 been spinning this ever since it came out. He did the interview with Shannon Sharp, and there was all propaganda in that interview where he got all of his talking points off. So he's definitely painting his narrative, and it's 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 working. It's working. I'm not saying he's lying yet. 
I'm yeah. just saying it seems very weird that all of a sudden the school was funding with the money when you were acting like you were just coming out of pocket to pay everything. You wanted ticket sales on the back end. They were selling out before you. Now you're claiming you're supposed to get money on the back end and you had all this exponential growth with the ticket sales, but that doesn't really equate to what the numbers say. I, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot there. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I think I think it's possible a lot of that stuff was happening. I mean, the dude was coming out of his pocket as well. Like I said, I think the situation might be different. It could be different at Bethune-Cookman. Um, also, we learned, you know, it takes more than just Dion for all this stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. You need, you know, former, you need alumni to, you know, pitch in and actually donate and do all this stuff too. And they have to do their part as well. Yeah. And, 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 and that was definitely a talking point Dion made. I think the problem is, is that if you look up the stats and I had a chance to dig here, uh, the average HBCU receives 6% from their alumni base. The average PWI receives 8%. I'm not going to be, you know, it's 2%. Yes. And you can make a case that the 2% and the base you're pulling from might not make as much as the PWI because of just the, the wage gap of the races in this country. But I mean, I don't know how much more you can expect when they're almost around the same as PWI. So I, I get it. You should implore your alumni to always give more. That I mean, that that's the base you should work from. But it's not like they didn't get as much. They got as close to the average as a PWI. So again, it's a talking point. It makes sense. It sounds good for from Dion to get that off. But when you crunch the numbers, it's not that much of a difference. I think he just wanted to leave. If he just came out and said, "Yo, I took the bag. I did my time." I was never going to stay 5, 10, 15 years. I wasn't trying to be the real well, Eddie Robinson. You can't, you can't be mad at somebody who's taking the bag when he was giving his own bag. The dude was giving his own money. <sighs> yes, but he also was coming from or, a position of power to begin with because he had the bread. He had the bread to give. Yeah, if he wasn't exactly. Dion, he's not coming out 300000 No, No average college recruit, coach. He, he needs to recruit on his investment. He needs to get... That money. No, back. I feel you. No, I get it. Like, I, like my my only criticism with Dion in this whole Colorado thing has always been it's how he did it. I don't have a problem with him leaving. I understand you cash now. I understand leveraging, trying to cash out while your bag is at its peak. I get it. Now we also need to understand this is the worst Power Five in all Power Five. They were one in one in eleven team for a reason. So it's not like you cashed out and really made a come up. You made a come up just to get into a power five, but you went from, you know, a program that was arguably the best in all of HBCU, even though they keep getting smoked by the MEAC and we, we understand that, but you had a team that was dominating the SWAC and a, a force in all of, you know, HBCU to now a power five school in the conference that, as you just mentioned, is on the come up with schools like Oregon State. So as many five stars as he wants to bring from Jackson State or in the portal, this isn't going to be a quick fix for the Buffaloes in Colorado. Like he's going to have to really show he could coach now because now there's going to be real pressure. There was no pressure at Jackson State. He could have did whatever he wanted there. And just the fact that him being there would have been enough. Now, the hell with all that. Like they're they're taking layaway. He was coaching on layaway. For Colorado, they're going to want that return on their own return on investment. 
and fast. Yeah, I think uh, I think he just wants. To, I think also it could be a challenge just to see what he he can do on that level. Uh, I obviously I think it's going to be an improvement because you can improve from one win. I will hope so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but if they go seven and five, is that a disappointment? If if they find a way to go seven and five? No. No. Okay. Because they were one and eleven. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. One and eleven with Josh McCown's son. Which <laughs> is yeah. Next to your man's so, hacking in Denver is the biggest sign of nepotism ever. Yeah. So I think I think, and also he's going to bring in better players. He's bringing the Louis. Uh, yeah, he's bring he's bringing luggage with him, and and I think Dion's a, you know, my cousin Quashete, like he's more of a. I want to say because he's not going to be out there, uh, coaching, hands on one. He's more like kind of like the facilitate, like the facilitator. Yep, yep. Uh, he's going to put people in in position, you know, to help. Uh, Oh man, I I just watched something where it was like uh, I think Bradley Edwards was talking about something about Nick Saban. And he's like, you have Saban so many lions, that. yeah. You have so many lions. How do you tame them? He's like, well, I have I have all these lion tamers. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's not the only one. He he has a bunch of them to, to tame those lions. I think Dabo does Dion's the same thing. Those. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Dion's one of those. And D, I think Dion, and then Dion's just a great motivator as well. And I, I, I can see him motivating those to to be better and get better. And yeah, you can get, you can, I think he has a chance to do that. And then it's going to help him go to an even better gig. Well, that's my next question. <laughs> that's my next question because clearly, you know, Dion in the Shannon Sharp interview said, you know, he he really only wanted to give Jackson State two years, or, or the AD was only expecting Dion to stay two years and he stayed three. I'm thinking, if he could turn this around within two years, I don't think he sees the third year of this contract. I think he's yeah, out I mean- again. Every every coach does that, and they that's the that's that's what every coach does. But that's will nothing. the vitriol be the same? Wait, if he skates on the PWI after building them back up, you see how HBCUs in mass were like, "This is blasphemy," all of that. How will that energy be? Well, how will Dion receive that energy different when it's coming from a PWI crowd saying, "Yo, you left us for dead"? I don't think that. I think like we get it because it happens all the time. You think, you think Colorado's not going to be tight? There's going to be something tight, but there's going to be a lot more to understand. Mm. I, for his sake, especially, I hope so. Especially think, if he leaves. Especially if he leaves for someone who's who's a powerhouse or someone who's greater than Colorado. I think know. they'll only cut him some bail <clears throat> if it's like Florida State, if it's yeah, like a place saying. he if has a someone, connection to. But if it's not that, if he just bounces the bounce. Like, if he just goes to the SEC just because, like, if he goes to Ole Miss, I don't think Colorado fans are going to understand that. Yeah, I, it, I don't think it's going to be too much pushback. That Colorado, okay. Colorado knows who they are. <laughs> uh, okay. 
I mean, I, I just hope they do once he builds them. But once he, once him and them, well, here's another question, and I'll, I'll, I'll begin to wrap this here. Is all of this tied to Shador? Because in theory, because there's already people projecting him to be a Heisman candidate next year. I think that's a reach. Yeah, but just in regards to, you know, clearly Dion's pushes. His whole reason into getting the coaching, and, and, and that's why I think watching that Shannon interview, he kind of gave you some of the tea, like subliminally. His whole thing of coaching was because he saw Shador and his brother being coached, he felt inferiorly, if that's a word. So his whole mind, he was never really trying to get into coaching, but he saw his sons being coached to a lesser level than what he thought they should have been. So he said, the hell with it, I'll do it myself. Once Shador, assuming he continues to play at this level and, and gets better against better competition. Once he gets to the league, what's the incentive for Dion to keep? If he only got into this to make sure his, his sons were coached well, if Shador makes it to the league, what's the incentive for him to keep going? Cause it seems to be clearly aligned where wherever I go, my son is there with me or vice versa. Cause he was recruited by Alabama. Shador could have went on, on his own by, by himself and left prime. But he yeah. stayed with his dad, and now he's following his dad, even from Jackson State, where I'm sure he was treated like a king, to now he's going to be in Colorado, I'm assuming treated again like a king. But it's a little different being treated like a king at HBCU than a PWI. But what, talk to me about if you think this is tied to Shador or if Prime even has a longevity past Shador leaving for the league. Well, one thing we got to remember, who Dion is. Mm -hmm. He has a song called Must Be. <laughs> must be the must money. Be, must be the so money, we, for sure. So we can't be surprised when a man who who was flashy and always about the money and everything wants to leave for money. Right. He's told us this his whole career. Yes. Yes. So we can't be really, like, you can't be surprised and mad about it as well. Right. Um, but, but if the goal is to make sure Shador gets the bag... And then once, once Shakur becomes, you know, assuming he's a day one draft pick, all right, now my son's got the bag. He could be all about the money, and he's very much the spinning image of his father in terms of flash. All right, cool. My job as a father is done. Maybe my job as a coach is slowly coming to an end now because I've done all that I can to get put my son in a position like I was. I think I don't. I uh, that's, that's, a, that's hard to say right now. Okay. Um, yeah, because you know you don't know. Like it could be, yeah, he's trying to get his son in a better position. It could be he just loves he could love coaching, right? And 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 both things could be true. I, I think yeah. he definitely has a love for football. I think he definitely has. If he didn't have the bug of loving coaching before, he definitely has it now. So it could be something to where even after Shador leaves, he still wants to stay. But I just think it's it's interesting the fact that a lot of this stuff seems to be aligned with the timeline of getting Shador to the league. Because he said he's always played quarterback. He's never played nothing else. Like, he always put him in that position, and he wants to see that through, even at this level now, where now he's in the power five, and Shador, to some people, is entering next season as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Which is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Do you oh, have an early scouting report on Shador? Are, are you no, a no, fan no, no, of no, Shador? No, no, no. It's not him. It's just, you know, he's at Colorado. The, the right. team is 1-11. But, but but if he balls out crazy, if he puts up video game numbers and they're six and you know six and six, there's no, no way that that's a Heisman finalist, right? No, no, no. no. Okay, all right. All right. Heisman finalist also has to have his team like 
in the hunt. Okay. Okay. No, I, I agree. I agree that there's no way I don't care what type of numbers. Cause, and, and that's kind of my concern is like, they're really just going to be the, the, the Colorado primes for the next few years, because he's just going to do everything to make sure his guys get on. That's why he told them, them kids that, that were already at Colorado, you can hit the portal. Like you don't have, you're, you don't have to stay here. Like, cause I'm bringing all my horses with me. Cause you know, clearly you guys were one in 11. So once that runs through, or once that exhausts itself, like we see how Jackson State is in, in the form of how Prime left. They have a blueprint, but we're not sure what's actually left. What's going to be in the wake of, you know, Colorado whenever, you know, Prime is done with them? And I think it's tied to Shador's going to get his numbers. He's going to do everything, press every button to make sure he goes crazy, goes ham, and gets every opportunity to, to put numbers on the board. But once that's over, then what's the focus? Are the five stars going to keep coming after Shador leaves? Because is Prime going to be as engaged, as dedicated? It's, it's, it's something to, to think about. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Sure. But I, uh, I, like, I like the move. I have He had to make it. Yeah. He had to make the move. Yeah. He had to make the move. Well, that was Michael Johnson. I'm going to thank him. He is a photographer, videographer, filmographer, also a huge part of the Not That Serious podcast. Uh, find them wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, I, I want to thank him for coming in. This is time number three, uh, second time officially. So, MJ, I really do appreciate it. Any projects you're working on or anything we, we you want the audience to tap into? Other than just the, the podcast, Not That Serious podcast, and, you know, look for me if you want – some photos done or anything like that. And the next year I, I got that medium format. Off. I saw that. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's definitely elevate. If you want some great portraits, the done of you, you know, I'm the, for I'm sure. the man to look for. And yeah, I'm, that's, that's what I'm gearing up for. I'm gearing up for a great 2023 20, and beyond. Well, I will have his social information down in the podcast description or if you're on YouTube in the video description. So make sure to tap in with him and support him and let him know you found him via this podcast. So uh, for MJ, Michael Johnson of the Not That Serious podcast, filmographer, videographer, photographer, I am the Sam D. Sam Duzme Jr. We out.